0: Welcome back, and you are listening to the official SASTA podcast with me, Harry Stebbings, at hstebbings1996 with two Bs on Instagram, and it would be great to see you there. But to the show today, and we have a CMO who's created marketing campaigns with their company that we've all seen, we've all engaged with, and for a product that we all love. And so with that, I'm very excited to welcome Janine Pelosi, CMO at Zoom. For anyone that's been living under a rock, Zoom is the next generation enterprise phone system, and prior to their very successful IPO, Zoom raised funding from some of the best in the business, including Sequoia, Emergence Capital, Horizons Ventures, and two of my favourites in the form of Mad Ocker at Data Collective and Dan Shineman. As for Janine, before joining Zoom, she spent 11 years at Cisco, where among many incredible achievements, she led worldwide demand gen for Webex and led their worldwide digital marketing team with a $25 million annual budget. I'd also have to say a huge thank you to Santid Emergence for suggesting some fantastic question suggestions. I really do so appreciate that, my friend. But before we dive into the show today, you have to check out Chorus.ai, the number one conversational intelligence platform, allowing you to unlock hidden insights from customer conversations that close deals and really work. So whether you want to increase quota attainment, coach and ramp new reps way more effectively, or clone winning talk tracks, head over to Chorus.ai to join the likes of GitLab, Amplitude, AdRoll, and many more amazing companies already using and loving Chorus. That's Chorus.ai. And if Chorus powers your sales team to be more effective, we need to discuss Pantheon, the web ops platform built for agility. Pantheon powers more than three 300,000 websites including some of the most well-known brands like Tableau and the United Nations. Pantheon's web ops platform gives superpowers to your web teams, making it simple to manage your websites, quickly iterate and optimize to deliver engaging digital experiences and provide the fastest hosting and highest level of security and uptime. And finally, as you know, every week we talk briefly to a WePay pay partner in a mini series to get their best advice on achieving success. Currently we're talking to David J, founder at agree.com. Agree.com provides attorney approved contracts and payments for businesses and creatives. Smart creatives and businesses use Agree.com to make their business serve their life, not the other way around. Hi, Harry. You know, it's the most exciting time to build tech. This last year, we built our newest company, WarmWelcome.com, for 1% of the cost that it took us to build Agree.com just three years ago. We're able to value adoption over perfection. We're able to build things iteratively along the way because there isn't the huge pressure to get it right the very first Thanks for that, David. And I couldn't agree more. Being decisive is really important for successful growth. And for more on successful growth, WePay offers payments you can bank on. Now a JPMorgan Chase company. It offers you payments with bank scale and SMB distribution channels in addition to modern technology. Visit WePay.com forward slash Harry to find out more. That's WePay.com forward slash Harry. However, you've heard quite enough from me. So now I'm very, very excited to hand over to Janine Pelosi, CMO at Zoom.
1: Good, that's perfect, okay, I think we're warmed
0: up. Janine, what can I say? It is such a pleasure to have you on the show. I've heard so many great things, both from Eric and from Santi at Emergent. So thank you so much for joining me today, Janine.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Not at all. But before we dive in, I do want to kick off a little bit on you. So tell me, how did you make your way into what I always call the wonderful world of SaaS, but come to be CMO at one of the great startups of our time with Zoom?
1: Oh, goodness. So it was quite a few years ago. I had the opportunity to start actually as an intern at WebEx before the uh, Cisco acquisition so i i was able to get my hands in a lot of different areas within the business within within marketing anything from you know e-commerce to our first banner ads emails scm you name it pr and so you know if you think about where zoom has come i've been here uh, going on 5 years now you know it didn't start as this magical unicorn right it just started as a group of people who were were trying to build something pretty awesome so looking back i'm really happy i made the decision to come
0: and join Uh, join Eric. Totally. Uh, I couldn't agree more there. But I I do want to ask, you know, you said about Cisco there and I do want to ask, you you were there for 11 years in total between Cisco and Webex, according to my very credible LinkedIn counting. So what was your biggest takeaway from that 11-year journey?
1: You know, before the Cisco acquisition, it was, I mean, Webex was a lot of fun. It was one of kind of the early great SaaS companies out there. I mean, it really built that whole web touch model, if you will. What I learned after the Cisco acquisition was uh, a lot about probably politics. The group that I was in was actually made up of the WebEx acquisition. And so all of kind of our marketing initiatives were run outside of corporate marketing, which is a very interesting dynamic for, for a company like that. So we were able to kind of stay scrappy and get things done. But over time, it, it becomes hard to you know, keep, keep the decision making fast and decisive. And that's what you need to stay competitive. And, uh, and why I eventually turned my attention to Zoom.
0: Totally get that. And uh, yeah, the challenges of scale for sure. I do want to kick off though today with your role itself. So CMO, because we chatted before and you said to me, the role of the CMO has gotten larger. So double clicking on this, what in your mind was the role of the CMO and, and how has it changed today?
1: You know, I can't really talk to what was the role of the CMO, but what I can talk to is the way I see it. And I, you know, I say I lead with a, a business hat and then I put on my marketing hat as needed. And I think that allows me to to do marketing in a way that is in context to the rest of the business, right? If you just think you have a great marketing playbook and you're running that and don't think about what else is going on that you need to be taking into consideration, then you end up failing, right? I mean, if you bring in a bunch of, you know, leads or ops or, you know, build a a massive brand and you're not able to, you know, have a sales force or a channel or anyone to take advantage of that demand, then you fail. So it has to be kind of a collective effort with all the leaders uh, and teams within the company.
0: Totally with you in terms of that collective effort. I think the common question that I get from a lot of early stage startups is, I don't know when's the right time to hire my head of marketing CMO style function. When do you advise startups is the right time to hire that CMO? Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky. I get to work with a lot of early stage CMOs and founders today, you know, when they were sitting in the seat that I was five years ago. And what I always say is, is hire somebody that gets shit done. You might want to even find the person that's one level below the CMO or a VP. That person that understands how things work and what makes an impact is who you want to bring in initially, in my opinion, that knows what they need to build
0: and the team they need to surround themselves with. In terms of the get shit done, whenever I Kind of hear that, especially applied to the marketing function. I'm always interested today, given the data centricity that we see, do you think marketing more is an art or a science? And how do you think about that?
1: It has to be both. And I think Zoom has proven that. I mean, I'm a firm believer that people don't wake up in the morning thinking about your brand. I, I've said before, like, I don't really use the term demand generation. I think it's kind of silly. Like, it's all marketing. You're going to do stuff that drives demand and you're going to do stuff that captures it. And you have to look at at, at that funnel holistically. Google search and SEM is so successful because they're hearing the radio ads, they're seeing the billboards, they're being exposed to other things. They're not just going to naturally, you know, end up searching for your brand i mean yeah there's some element of awareness that you can get there but it all works together and you have to look at that funnel from a return standpoint from an roi standpoint collectively
0: i do want to get into the funnel in a lot more detail a little bit on i do want to just finish in the final comment on kind of the expansion of the role of the cmos with the expansion how does that change the structure of the relationship between the cmo and the ceo what's that optimal relationship
1: i mean i couldn't do my job effectively if eric and i didn't have of trust. I mean, trust is, I think, what it all comes down to because, you know, going back to the art and science, you have to believe in certain things and lead with common sense and certain aspects of what you do. And of course, you have to support it with, with metrics and key KPIs to keep everybody on track and rolling in the right direction and knowing where to invest and double down. But if you don't have that element of trust, it's just an uphill battle. I mean, I, I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have that trust with Eric.
0: I mean, the trust is is core. Cool. And when I spoke to Angie, Sandy, before the show, he, he said about your relationship and how strong it is. Can I ask, well, how is it so special working with Eric and what makes Eric so special to work with?
1: Oh, uh, and I'll say too, Sansi's a special person to work with. That's that's one of those great relationships as you build a company, um, you know, that you get to build. And so we're, we're happy to have him as part of our team. But with Eric, it's, I think what makes him so unique, I would say, um, which drives him being special is the fact that he, he is very practical. I say a lot like across the leaders of the team here, and what we look for when we hire, we look for people that are self-starters, that are motivated. Above all that, focused. Eric is a very focused leader. You know, I think him and I both share a unique ability to kind of cut through the crap, if you will, and focus on the things that really, really matter. And I think that's allowed us to execute at a level that is really unprecedented.
0: I, I do want to dive into the funnel there. We touched on it there. And really starting on the sales and the marketing functions, because it's often a sometimes a point of tension in scaling SaaS startups. So if we start with that, and probably the hardest question of all, how do you create alignment between sales and marketing, Janine?
1: I'll go back to trust. Greg, who's been our head of uh, sales for the past, I think, a uh, little over six years now. We just brought in a new CRO, actually, Ryan Azuz, who I've had the privilege of working with in the past. Like, you you have to have a relationship and have trust. Like, I've also been known for saying, like, I don't use MQLs and SQLs. Like, I understand the value they can add to a funnel, but I also firmly believe that words matter. And if you put those little little things like M's and S's in front of you know, quantifying leads, then it's that's a tone that this is what somebody thinks is important and this is what some somebody else thinks is important. And for us, we collectively, when we put together our annual plans, when we put together how we're going to go to market, we do that as a united front. So I'm I'm very close to our sales team. I, I have their ear, they have mine, and it's a relationship that has once again allowed us to,
0: to scale. Can I ask, is it challenging to create accountability and ownership by removing that attribution almost to the function?
1: No, because we still have all the attribution. We're watching everything. We, we have all of our stages of opportunities. You know, if you really peel back what is a lead it's it's something uh some people use the term at bats i think that's kind of funny but you know it's a direction it's a it's a hand raise and when you when you take out some of those words that have become i I feel like marketing is is all about all this lingo i also don't want to fill my head with things that are just going to be distracting because i do think we're a very practical organization i want our sales teams following up on people that have an interest in our business and whether you call that an mql or an sql i don't really think it matters
0: no, I, I do agree, especially in terms of the buzzwords around it. In terms of the funnel itself, you know, you've know, you seen the progression of, of Zoom's funnel. You saw you know, WebEx and Cisco's. I have to ask, where do you think you most often see the breakdowns in the working of an effective funnel?
1: At Zoom, and this was true for WebEx as well, we have a strong freemium model and we have a product that is inherently viral, right? I believe, obviously, Zoom works a hell of a lot better than WebEx. But when people are out there marketing for you, you have to have... Have an incredible engine internally to take advantage of that demand and making sure that you're able to throw it over the fence, if you will, from somebody who's in your freemium engine over to somebody that makes sense to actually have an inside sales reps call on is what is incredibly important. And I think that's what you're not going to find if you're just looking at CPLs and CPAs from your outbound efforts.
0: I'm so pleased you said about that kind of throwing it over the fence between the freemium and then the actual kind of cools itself and that interaction. How do you think about optimizing the handover process and what can be done to minimize the friction?
1: You know, I'm known for going in and, and playing in in Salesforce and you know pulling up opportunities or leads and sending notes to individual reps and asking why they went home with an open lead or why it's taken three days between activities. Like, I think it's just important to stay practical, and I can't underline that enough. Like when you have the to understand, you know, if somebody's gone and spent 20 minutes on uh, a certain product page of yours, I think it's important to let a sales rep know that so they have the information and that might be the point at which you bring them from your marketing automation into an actual lead in Salesforce. But that's going to be, that's going to vary for every business that you're in. You just need to determine when does it make sense to actually put a body on it versus to have marketing nurture.
0: I I, I do have to ask, we spoke about ownership and accountability earlier. We had Joe Chernow from Panda on the show recently. And he said that marketing have to be held accountable to a number tied directly to revenue. Would you agree with him here? And how do you think about KPI setting for the marketing team specifically?
1: Hundred percent. So we, you know, I have revenue targets. Um, on, on top of marketing, I also lead our online business, uh, which is a combination of our e-commerce, obviously, as well as our uh, sales reps that are covering anything that is uh, 10 employees and below. So this is very transactional, high volume. If you really think about what it means to be driving towards revenue, I have our teams that are running, you know, digital campaigns thinking about ROI and in, in the fashion of if I give you a dollar, when are you going to give me back? that dollar? And when are you going to give me back three? And when are you going to give me back five? Versus everything being about CPLs and CPA. So we measure everything in ratios. Uh, and we take a very conservative approach to the lifetime value to come up with those metrics. So it's going to vary for every business that you're in. But it's, it basically goes down to the principles of if I'm going to invest somewhere, when am I going to get my return back? And then when am I going to start seeing dividends above that?
0: Can I ask, how do you think about brand marketing and the common statement from marketers that the traceability in terms of data and ROIs and discovering True ROI is so challenging. How do you think about that with regards to brand marketing?
1: Well, I mean, it can be challenging unless you actually kind of step back. And once again, I'll probably use the term "practical" twenty times over this podcast. But you know, we take a geographical approach. I mean, now we're in you know multiple countries, multiple cities uh, across the globe. I think we're in twenty-eight different markets. You know, in the U.S. alone, and you can look at what's happening if you test right. And every business is going to have those indicators of demand, whether it's people searching for your brand or organically returning visitors searching for your category free uh, signups to your website leads etc whatever that might be for your business and then you track it and you baseline it and you see what happens afterwards um i don't want to say it's it's not rocket science i mean we have built a whole attribution and methodology internally that we've we've been working for the past five years, but it started very scrappy and very small. And we built on that over time. I think every business just needs to step back and that's where, you know, look at the examples and the best practices, but then you always have to put it in reference to your own business. And I think that's where a lot of people fail is they they don't put it in reference to their own business when they actually go to put it in action.
0: I I do want to ask one more question on the funnel itself. And it's really, you know, in terms of the amalgamation between marketing and different roles, especially kind of sales that we spoke about earlier, I think we're seeing, especially with kind of the the rising importance of content and marketing teams creating great content, but that being pushed down almost into a customer success role in many cases, how do you think about marketing being pushed down the funnel to that post-sale? And would you kind of agree with this, seeing that kind of merging of customer success and marketing in many ways?
1: Oh, it's, to- it's totally emerging, right? I mean, if you think about most most businesses don't aspire to be a, a one-trick pony, right? So that means that after you even get that initial sale for one product or one portion of your product, you're, you're going to want to cross-sell and upsell, and uh, which means there needs to be a very succinct program between your, your CSM team and how you frame that and, and structure your communications to your current customer base and what you do with folks that are earlier on in that that prospect funnel. It just has to be consistent, especially it depends on the business you're in. But for us, right, if end users aren't using the product, they're not going to renew, right? That's SaaS. And so you can't rest on your laurels of getting that initial customer, which means that all of the marketing, the traditional marketing team's going to be running has to work for both those prospects and for customers. So there really isn't a line at Zoom. Um, It just might be different folks that are pulling the trigger.
0: Now, you've said the word practical a number of times. And so I do want to dive into before the quick fire round really uh, a kind of theme of myths buzzwords and what marketing can't do so if we're being practical what can marketing not do in your eyes janine
1: i don't really think in terms of what marketing can't do if it's not something we can physically do or innovate on then we're going to influence it right if i see a crack in the product if i see something in our sales process you know anywhere in our business finance i'm going to raise my hand and make sure that i make that known so i think if it's something that you traditionally you know quote unquote can't do, you influence.
0: In terms of another buzzword, it's ABM. We we hear it more and more today. I hear it phenomenally uh, in terms of on the show. With many calling it a buzzword, though, how do you think about ABM? Is it a buzzword? And how do you think about utilizing it with Zoom?
1: Oh, I think it's totally a buzzword. I laugh because a few years ago, I had a map of the Bay Area, the the peninsula on the wall right where, where marketing sits. And we literally would have stickers of where we had ads. We'd put where we were running radio, where we had BART you know, you name it, buses in San Francisco. And then we had other stickers for where our named accounts were. I mean, like that's ABM, right? I think it's about getting extremely targeted and, you know, having a string through from what our our BDR team is doing to what our, our digital ABM activities are, to what we're doing with awareness. Rapify is a really fun brand that allows you to wrap vehicles in a really easy way. Uh, so I can go and and maybe there's a company that their, their whole executive team always goes to that one strip mall to that Japanese or, or Togo's for lunch. And I can have those cars do a swarm, right? Like that's ABM. I think that's definitely one of those those buzzwords today. But it goes back to really thinking about just how do you get super targeted to you know drive a penetration into a large account.
0: I'm so glad you said that. I totally think it's a buzzword. So it's thrilled that we align on that. In terms of marketing playbooks, it's another kind of buzzword term that I often hear on the show. Uh, how do you think about kind of the marketing playbook, so to speak? Do you have one? One. And would you agree, we have Maria Pergolino on the show, and she said the best CMOs know when to throw their playbook out of the window. Would you agree with with that?
1: The way I think about it is everybody has their core competencies. And you could call that your playbook, right? Like if I think about coming into my seat when I did to join Zoom and was tasked with building the marketing function here, there's clearly going to be things that are my core competencies uh, and that I'm going to think that we need to hire first for or programs we need to get in place. And then you need to build a really great team that really rounds out those competencies. But everybody ticks differently, whether it's the leader on the team, the individual contributors, you name it. And it's about bringing those playbooks together and then putting it into context of your business.
0: In terms of kind of bringing it together, I do want to finish on my favorite element, which is the quick fire round. So I say a short statement, Janine, and you hit me with your immediate thoughts. In about 60 seconds or less, are you ready? I am ready. So what do you know now that you wish you'd known at the beginning of your time with Zoom?
1: I've enjoyed the journey so much that I'm okay with the things I do didn't know and what I've grown into.
0: How do your KPIs differ when comparing revenue marketing to brand marketing? Uh, They don't. If you could change one thing about the world of SaaS today, what would it be?
1: The buzzwords.
0: Who in SaaS marketing stage do you think is killing it and, and why?
1: I think I go back to actually it's relationships. There's a lot. There are a lot of companies right now are doing a lot of really great things. And folks that aren't relying on their peers at other companies to uh, to make what they're doing better are are
0: failing. Janine, this has been so much fun having you on the show. As I said, I've wanted to do this for a long time since having Eric on the show. So thank you so much for joining me today and it's been awesome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You are a star. Good, that's perfect, okay, I think we're warmed up. I mean, my word, a quick fire round that is true to its name. That's very rare for the show. And if you'd like to see more from Janine, you can find her on Twitter at Janine underscore Pelosi. It really was such a pleasure to have her on the show today. Do so appreciate all she did in giving her time for the episode. And if you'd like to see more from us, you can find us on Instagram at hstebbings1996 with two Bs. I really would love to see you there. But before we leave you today, you have to check out Chorus.ai, the number one conversational intelligence platform, allowing you to unlock hidden insights from customer conversations that Close deals and really work. So whether you want to increase quota attainment, coach and ramp new reps way more effectively, or clone winning talk tracks, head over to chorus.ai to join the likes of GitLab, Amplitude, AdRoll, and many more amazing companies already using and loving chorus. That's chorus.ai. And if chorus powers your sales team to be more effective, we need to discuss Pantheon, the web ops platform built for agility. Pantheon powers more than 300,000 websites, including some of the most well-known brands like Tableau and the United Nations. Pantheon's ops platform gives superpowers to your web teams, making it simple to manage your websites, quickly iterate and optimise to deliver engaging digital experiences and provide the fastest hosting and highest level of security and uptime. And finally, as you know, every week we talk briefly to a WePay partner in a mini-series to get their best advice on achieving success. Currently, we're talking to David J, founder at Agree.com. Agree.com provides attorney-approved contracts and payments for businesses and creatives. Smart creatives and businesses use Agree.com. To make their business serve their life, not the other way around. Hi, Harry. You know, it's the most exciting time to build tech. This last year, we built our newest company, warmwelcome.com, for 1% of the costs that it took us to build Agree.com just three years ago. We're able to value adoption over perfection. We're able to build things iteratively along the way because there isn't the huge pressure to get it right the very first time. Thanks for that, David. And I couldn't agree more. Being decisive is really important for successful growth. And for For more on successful growth, WePay offers payments you can bank on. Now a JPMorgan Chase company, it offers you payments with bank scale and SMB distribution channels in addition to modern technology. Visit WePay.com forward slash Harry to find out more. That's WePay.com forward slash Harry. As always, I cannot thank you enough for tuning in and I can't wait to bring you another brilliant episode next week.